So today, uh, we're going to talk about hope, and I want to just ask you a question as we, as we think about hope this morning, and I just want you to, and I know that I'm going to ask this question, and you're going to know right away what the right answer is, uh, what you're supposed to say, but I just want you to think about how you really use the word, okay? So um, is hope, okay, if I was going to ask you to give a definition, is hope wishful thinking, or is it a confident expectation? Is it wishful thinking, or is it a confident expectation? Anybody want to give an answer? It's not a trick question. Any, any, any guesses? <laughs> confident expectation, right? <laughs> Jacob wanted to make sure nobody was going to be tripped up on this question, so he's got it up there. <laughs> so it's a confident expectation, but I want you to think about the way that most of us use the word hope we use it more like wishful thinking, right? Like, I hope my team wins the cup. Or I hope that girl or guy asks me out. Or I hope I get a promotion. Or I hope I make more money. Or I hope I get better. You know, if we're dealing with sickness, I hope I get better. Or if you're in a difficult marriage, like, I hope things work out. I hope that my spouse and I can work through these difficulties. Like, we use it, and it's more like wishful thinking. We don't know that the outcome that we hope for will happen, and we use the word like it's this wishful type thinking. But in the scriptures, hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is not uh, like hoping that your team wins the cup or hoping that things work out. Like hope is actually a confident expectation. Like hope is something, when the Bible talks about it, is something that you can know and that you can base your whole life on. So I'm not saying that if, if we're in conversation and you say, if Don says he hopes that Boston wins the cup. I'm not going to say, oh, that was wrong. We use that word sort of, there's a, there's a way to use it that's not in line with the biblical way to use it. The biblical word of hope is talking about something very solid and confident. And I just want to dig into that this morning. And so worldly hope, and this is up on the screen, so the, the two contrasts, okay? So worldly hope is wishful thinking. So the Greek philosophers before the time of Jesus, they realized that human beings expressed hope by nature. Okay, so it's kind of, it's in our nature as human beings to express hope. But our, but most of the time, okay, I'm still talking about worldly hope. Most of the time when we express hope, it's based on our past experiences. So it's really, you know what I mean when I use the word subjective? Subjective is just kind of like what you feel based on what you've experienced and the things that you've gone through. So worldly hope, like by nature, human beings, like we, we tend to be hopeful. So even if you don't have the biblical kind of hope, if you're, even if your hope isn't in Jesus, if you're going through a really difficult time, for the most part, we have this like hope, this like desire of like things are going to get better, okay? But it's actually based on our past experiences. It's a, it's a future projection of a person's subjective possibilities. So if you've had good things happen in your life, then when something bad happens, you might be hopeful that there'll be a good outcome. But it's kind of based on your own subjective life experiences. People that give up hope very quickly lose even the desire to live. And for some of us that have experienced one bad thing after another, one heavy 
uh, situation after another, it's easy to start losing hope. Like, and maybe at one time you, you had hope that things were going to work out, but then over and over again, like, life just got worse and worse and worse. The things piled up heavier and heavier and heavier. And you got to the point where it's like, well, there's just no hope. And when you get to that point, when human beings get to that point, you, p- people start to lose even the desire to live, even the desire to exist for another day. So this wishful thinking kind of hope, it's, it's dangerous because it's not something you can base your life on. Biblical hope is a confident expectation. It's like, it's anticipation. It's not wishful thinking. At the heart of biblical hope, okay, so if you read the New Testament, at the very heart of it, and Kaya read it from, in Thessalonians, the heart of biblical hope, it's based on the resurrection of Jesus. So biblical hope is not like, the reason that Christians have hope, it's not because of our feelings. It's not because of, you know, what we're going through or the situations that we've faced. It's actually based on something outside of us. It's something objective. It's, it was, it's based on the resurrection of Jesus. So as a Jesus follower, you, when you face difficulties and you face hard times, like, you may feel down like any other human being in the world, but the hope that you stand on, it's actually based on the resurrection of Jesus, and because that took place, because it happened, you, you can know with confidence, you can have a confident expectation that things are actually going to work out. And so hope, biblical hope is not, it's, sometimes we're, we're like, we want to try to like take biblical hope and say like, well, I, I'm hoping I get this specific job. I want that promotion. And then it doesn't happen and we're like, oh, where was God? God wasn't there. He didn't give me the job that I wanted. But biblical hope isn't that you'll get the specific job. It's, a, it's, it's hope in the fact that God says he will provide for your needs. Or in a marriage. Some of you are, are in difficult situations in your marriage or in other relationships. Maybe you're, maybe you're single and maybe you've got just difficulty in relationships, difficulty feeling plugged in or whatever. And, and we want like, to try to like force the Bible to work for us and we're like, well, I just have hope that everything is going to get better in that relationship or in this marriage or I'll feel more accepted or I won't be so lonely. But biblical hope isn't giving us the specifics of that situation as much as it's saying God is going to work all things out for good for those that love him and trust him. So biblical hope like, is, is something you can set your life on, but it doesn't always have to do with specifics, right? I, I would love to drive a Jeep, right? <laughs> I, I, Malachi, I don't know if Malachi's up here or downstairs, but like, I like Jeeps, right? I, I would love to have a Jeep someday, um, I, I hope I get one, but that's not the biblical kind of hope. It's sort of wishful thinking. It's like, well, maybe things will work out in such a way that I'll get to drive a Jeep. But you know what I can be confident in is that as I trust God, I know he's going to provide for my family. I also know that if things go terribly wrong where, you know, I've, I've lost a job or like financial difficulty or whatever, like in the end, the, the scriptures promise that all things work together for good. So it's not bad to like have hope in something specific, but as Christians, biblical hope is talking about more than that. It's talking about this hope in God, and it's a hope that's actually confident. You can anticipate it. You can base your life on it. We're going to go to uh, Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read about Simeon and Anna. And these are two people that, uh, they actually meet Jesus when he's a baby, and they exude hope. Like, they've got hope that is contagious. Like, when they open their mouths, and you'll see it from, the, from this text here, when they open their mouths, like, people around them get filled with hope. But I, I want to show you 
uh, how these two people in particular, they lived at a time when most people had actually just given up on hope. And so this is immediately after the birth of Jesus, <laughs> and it's right after he's presented in the temple. So if you read the Christmas story, this is one of the first things that happens, okay? He's a baby at this time. Nobody knows. And you've got to remember, when we read these, th- these stories, you and I, when I say Jesus, uh, most of you in this room would know who I'm talking about. We'd know that Jesus is God, that Jesus went to the cross. He died uh, in our place. He was resurrected. But people at this time, they don't know this, okay? So when these people meet Jesus, he's a little baby. He's an infant. So the things that are going to be said about him are actually crazy, okay? Because there was, there was no way, unless God revealed to these people, that they could know uh, what they knew. So verse 25 says, At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Pretty pretty powerful. God said to him, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah, the one that's going to save Israel. Your people are in a mess right now. There's political turmoil. Everybody's, you know, like lives is in chaos. And Simeon, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And what that would have meant to a Jewish man in the first century was, I'm going to meet the one who's going to deliver the nation of Israel. So you're not going to die until you see the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So God's Spirit brings Simeon to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel." Just imagine that scene. So you've got Simeon, this older man who's been trusting God his whole life, and God says, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. So he goes down, he sees this Jesus who's a baby, and he holds him, and there's all these people around, and he says, like, God, I have seen your salvation. Like, is that not a bizarre thing to say if you're holding a newborn baby? Like, it's one thing to be like, oh, the baby's really beautiful. Like, I've done that quite a few times with my kids, right? Like, I love newborns. Um, it's, really, it's really cute. And so when you say sweet things, people are like, yeah. But can you imagine if you're, like, somebody's holding a baby and they're like, this is the salvation of God. Like, that'd be a really bizarre thing to say, right? This is, this is the salvation of God. This is God's plan to redeem the nation of Israel. That's what Simeon is saying. So you've got to imagine that people are standing around being like, he's lost it, right? <laughs> like, I mean, yes, the baby's cute, right? Like, it's, yeah, cool, great. But the salvation of God, like what is Simeon going on about, right? But God had revealed to him that he would see the Messiah. Jesus' parents, verse 33, were amazed at what was being said about him. Even Jesus' parents, they're amazed. And they had a bit of an inkling because they had heard prophecies. They had had angelic visitations. So they had a bit of an idea of what was coming. And even them are amazed. So you imagine everybody else standing around and listening to Simeon talk about Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Imagine saying that to somebody, like somebody's mom, a newborn baby's mother, right? Like, Lauren's going to have a baby soon, okay? Can you imagine brings the baby to church, and, and someone says that to her, to her and Justin. They're like, this child is going to cause many to fall, right? Like, 
the, the thoughts, the deepest thoughts of the people's hearts are going to be revealed because of this baby, right? Like, that would be a really bizarre thing. So the parents are amazed. They're going, like, what's going on? And you got to imagine the people around are going, like, what? What's with Simeon? Like, what's, where's this confidence come from? And then Anna comes to uh, compliment what Simeon has begun. It says, Anna, verse 38, a prophet was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. So like 60 plus years, she lived as a widow and spent her time in the temple just praising God. Like she was very familiar with spending time in the very presence of God. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. And so... uh, I just want to highlight two verses. In verse 25, we're we're talking about hope. It says, He, Simeon, was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Okay, so so Simeon was filled with hope. Even though Israel, the nation of Israel, was in turmoil and there was all kinds of horrible things going on at the time, he was filled with hope because he was waiting for the Messiah. God had promised that he would see the Messiah. And then in verse 38, she, Anna, came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. And so both Simeon and Anna, they display biblical hope. It's not just wishful thinking. Like when they encountered Jesus, both of them had heard from God. They had heard prophecies from God. And we're going we're gonna to read a couple of the Old Testament prophecies that talk about the Messiah. Like, they knew, like, this is God's promise to fix all of the problems that we're currently facing. And so they had this, they had this like, biblical hope. It was a confident expectation. There was an anticipation in Simeon and Anna. Whereas everybody around them, they probably had wishful thinking like a lot of us do sometimes, where it's like, yeah, things are really bad in our nation. Right? And so we're going to look at some of the things that were going on. But you think about our current situation in Canada, and you think about what's going on in the U.S., there's all kinds of things that happen that are quite unsettling. And, and for a lot of people, what, what we experience is this wishful thinking, like, I hope things get better. I hope things aren't as bad as, it, as, as some people make it sound. I hope, And it's more like wishful thinking. But biblical hope, and Simeon and Anna displayed it, when they met Jesus, they were like, this is God's plan to fix everything. They, they would base their life on it. There was, a, there was a confidence to their hope. It was a different kind of hope. And so three questions that we want to look at today about hope. Uh, first, what is hope? Secondly, where is it based? And then third, how do I hold on to hope? And so uh, I just want to, I'm going to do a silly illustration that's going to make some of you nervous, uh, which maybe it'll wake you up. So, I want to illustrate, so you have a picture in your mind of uh, wishful thinking hope and then a confident expectation hope, okay? I was going to bring a two-by-four, but I did not have one uh, here, so I have this. So if, if I'm going to stand on this, do you think that's like, is that wishful thinking that that's going to hold me up? Or is it like a confident expectation? It's confident? 
Is it confident expectation? No, it's not. So it's more of like a wishful thinking. It's more like falling. I did this already. So, okay. <laughs> that, now, I want to I illustrate with you with this, okay? My life experience, like, I love uh, doing all kinds. Like, I do flips, and I like parkour type stuff. And when I was young, I would, like, jump off of things and flip off of things. So my life experience, if, when this is set up, I'm like, yeah, sure. But probably most of you in the room wouldn't jump up on a little, a little piece of wood like that between two chairs, right? Hey, Len, you want to come up? Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so that's like a, a wishful thinking. And based on my life experience, like, I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd kind of go for that. But there's a pretty big chance that that thing snaps, right? And it, and it breaks or whatever. And that would have made a really fun morning for us all, right? <laughs> Something to talk about, okay? But confident expectation. So, and all illustrations break down. Um, Gene, he's sitting in the front row, he helped us buy these chairs. They're from Costco. We, he had free shipping because he's a Costco member. And so when we needed chairs for downstairs in the cafe, Gene found these, and they're lifetime warranty, okay? Like, Gene has never given me a reason to not trust what he says, right? And they came from Costco, which is a pretty good company. They make good stuff, and it's a lifetime warranty. So when I come and sit on these chairs, like, there's never in my mind a question of whether this chair is going to break, how many of you sat in one of these chairs downstairs in the cafe or outside all summer long? Anybody sat in these chairs? Like, there's always one in every crowd, so I'm afraid to ask. But did you ever sit in the chair and think, like, it's going to fall apart? There wasn't one in the crowd? <laughs> like, there's this, con- and, and every illustration breaks down because this is not based on, like, God's word. But the illustration is that a confident hope is based in something that is solid, something that is anchored. So Simeon and Anna... When, when they based their lives on the truth of who Jesus is, it was based on, and I'm going to show you, the word of God, which is solid. Like when God says something, there's no question whether or not that'll be fulfilled. There's no question at all. But when we feel something, there's a chance. So I got up on that piece of wood, and I was pretty confident it wasn't going to break. It didn't, but it, there was a good chance it was going to break. Most of us live our lives with this wishful thinking kind of a hope. Even most of you that are like, that guy's crazy. Why would he stand on that small piece of wood? That's just so stupid, right? <laughs> Anybody thought that and we were willing to say that? <laughs> okay. Why would he do that? But like, you know what? If we're honest, some of us have wishful thinking and it's just as silly as what I did standing on that piece of wood. Some of us do that with our lives. Some of us have like wishful thinking that like we, we base our lives on things that are not solid and it's just as silly as standing up on a little thin piece of wood, when we base our lives on something that is not anchored, something that is not constant, something that is not immovable. And so hope, okay, if we're answering the question about what is hope, hope is confident expectation. It's something that you can base your life on. It's something that you can know without a question, without a doubt. Second, where, where is hope based? Okay, and, and hope is based on the eternal word of God. And there's a a real beauty to that because Jesus, he is the word of God, okay? So when we talk about the word of God, like we can talk about things God said, right? So when God speaks, it gives life. When God speaks, it creates. When God speaks, it restores. He, He fixes what's broken. He mends, okay? So when God speaks, those things happen. What's beautiful about Jesus is like, 
Jesus is actually the, like, he's the word of God in person form. That's like, you, you could spend your whole life thinking about that, okay? Like, it's, it's the incarnation. But Jesus is like, he's the word of God in human form. He is the, what you see in front of you, the living, moving, breathing word of God, right? Um, and so hope is based on God's eternal word, um, which is, is Jesus, but also his promises, and, and I want you to, this will be on the, the screen. So when we think about where is, where is hope based, hope for the future will always be wishful thinking unless it's based on God's eternal word. Okay? Hope for the future, well, I guess I worded it differently on there, is, is wishful thinking at best unless it is based on the eternal word of God. So our hope for the future, if you're facing difficulty or darkness or, or whatever it is. Like, if your hope for the future is not based on what God says is absolutely true, what is immovable, then at best, it's wishful thinking. And sometimes in this life, wishful thinking can work out. You might get the car that you wanted or the promotion, but that hope is not based in the eternal word of God. And so when we ask the question, where is hope based? It's based on God's eternal word. I just want to give you a little bit of history. So Simeon and Anna, just to put this in perspective, because I think sometimes we read the scriptures and we think it's just somehow far removed from us. But the people that we encounter in the scriptures, they were human beings just like you and I. They faced the same challenges, the same difficulties, the same goals and aspirations, the same disappointments. And what God wants to teach us through his word is how to encounter him. When we meet Simeon and Anna, uh, the last time that they had heard, the people of Israel had heard from God, was 400 years before we encounter Jesus in the New Testament. So the book of Malachi was written about 400 years before Jesus. And there was an encounter with God. There was the the Maccabean revolt. revolt. And if you're familiar at all with Jewish history, you're probably familiar with the Maccabees, okay? The Maccabean revolt. revolt. Um, But on... uh, 167 BC, so 167 years before Christ, there was uh, an evil ruler. He was not Roman. This was before the Romans took over Israel. His name was Antiochus Epiphanes. And on December 25th, very important date at Christmas time, right? So on December 25th, 167 BC, 167 years before Christ, he desecrated the temple and he set up worship of himself. Okay, so this evil ruler, Antiochus Epiphanes, comes into Israel, so, and, and, and the Israelites, were their identity, their image of themselves was that they are the chosen people of God. He comes in, he desecrates their temple, which was set up to worship God, and he sets up worship of himself. It angered people deeply. This is 167 years before Christ. And this uh, leader rose up, Judas Maccabeus, and he led a revolt, okay, And if you study the Maccabean history, you can read all about it. But he led a revolt, and he won. Antiochus Epiphanes, this evil ruler, gave up. And uh, three years later, at 164 BC, the festival of Hanukkah was set up. Okay? So it's really cool. In in Jewish history, that's a big deal. God did some really awesome things during a very dark time. But then, not long after that, um, probably 50, 60 years later, uh, the Roman emperor Pompey came to power, took over Israel. Okay, so it's a new nation that's taken over Israel. And Pompey, he actually, what he did was even worse to the Israelite people. He walked into the temple, he went into the very holy of holies, 
and just basically desecrated it, and nothing happened. No Judas Maccabeus rose up, no deliverer rose up, and the people of Israel, for the hundred years or so prior to when we meet Jesus, they just had this, there was a lot of people that just felt like God has forgotten us. Like God, he, he, he rose up this Judas Maccabeus and things happened that were really great, good things went on. And then, and then, you know, years later, somebody else rises to power, the Romans, and they come in, they go in and they desecrate the Holy of Holies, they take over the nation of Israel, and it was a really dark, dark time. So when we meet Simeon and Anna, Simeon and Anna lived at a time when there was all kinds of division going on in the nation of Israel. And the kind of division that was happening was the kind of division that we see today. People were arguing about what it looked like to actually follow God. So there were people that were like saying, no, the church has to be completely and totally separate from the Romans. And then there was people that were saying, no, we need to, we need to believe everything the Romans are saying and doing, and we need to be a part of that. And so amongst the people of God, there was all of this division But there was also this underlying feeling of hopelessness where people just felt like God has left the building. God is, he's not here. How can we we trust him when he's just aloof and he's taken off? But Simeon and Anna, they're like, they're bright lights in this story. And I want to read a couple passages from the Old Testament, and this will be on the screen, uh, just to show you that they had this deep trust in God and it was based on, their hope wasn't based in just their feelings, their hope was based on the eternal word of God. Jeremiah 31, verses uh, 31 to 34, it's a messianic prophecy, and these would have been some of the scriptures that Simeon and Anna read on a regular basis and the reasons why they were filled with hope. Jeremiah 31 says, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying that you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 4 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory." They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. You know, Simeon and Anna, like, these were the kinds of things that their hope was anchored in. That's, their hope came from the eternal word of God. So when everybody around them was discouraged, when everybody around them felt like God has forgotten us, when everybody around them was questioning things, when there was division, when the, the church was splitting up, when families were splitting up, when all the chaos was happening, Simeon and Anna had hope that was not wishful thinking. It was this confident expectation because it was based on the eternal word of God. 
If your hope is based on what you feel, well, you're going to be up and down and all over the place depending on what you're exposed to, what you're hearing, what you had for breakfast that morning, whatever, right? But if your hope is based like Simeon and Anna's in the Word of God, then when everybody's just in chaos and panic all around you, you're like, no, I know things are going to work out because God said it. Like their hope was anchored. And for them, God had prophetically spoken to them and, and told them they were going to meet Jesus as a baby. And so they, they got to be like some of the first people that prophesied, this is Jesus. He is the plan that God has to bring hope to this whole world. Even today. Like that hope extends to today. As Christians, I alluded to it earlier, like our, our hope is based on the fact that Jesus rose again. So yes, we have the Old Testament prophecies and we have the things that Jesus taught, right? But the thing that confirms all of that is that Jesus actually did rise from the dead. He defeated death. He promised that things are going to get better. Revelation 21, verse, uh, verse 1 to 7. This is a, a famous passage um, from Revelation that you're probably familiar with. Uh, but when I face really difficult times, this is some of the stuff that, that I look to and, and base my hope in. Revelation 21, starting verse 1, says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. This is prophetic. Like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. Isn't that reminiscent of what we read back in Jeremiah? God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. That's Jesus. And then he said to me, write this down for what I can tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. And so Jesus is, like, what he says about what is to come is actually what we can anchor our hope in. And so when we face difficult times and overwhelming circumstances, we can actually look to Jesus. And Jesus, he, he's like, Jesus is the, the fulfillment of God's promises in the Old Testament, but he's also like the partial fulfillment of what is fully to come. So Jesus lived in, in human form here amongst us. He's God in the flesh, right? He, he came to reveal to us how we could have a relationship with God. But he also came to show us that there is a day still to come when every tear will be wiped from every eye. That when we put our hope and our faith in Jesus, that is the future that we look forward to. Lastly, how do I hold on to hope? Hope requires constant reminding. Hope requires constant reminding. Jesus, when he told us to do communion on a regular basis, one of the things that he said was, do this in remembrance of me. As followers of Jesus, we have to constantly remind ourselves of the word of God, of Jesus' words. That's why gathering with other Christians in a church context is so vital. Gathering with other people that struggle 
the same way that you struggle and that trust Jesus and encourage you to trust Jesus. That's vital. Reading the scriptures. I don't, I don't know if you've made scripture reading a regular part of your life, but I would just encourage you and challenge you, even if you struggle to understand it, like get God's word into your heart because you need to be reminded often about hope. It is vital. Prayer. There's multiple times through the week that you can gather with people here in other contexts for prayer. Like get into a rhythm and a habit of actually talking with the creator of the universe. When I see some of the horrible things that happen in this world, one of the things that comes back to me often is I'm like, man, if I didn't have Jesus as my hope, I don't know how I would face some of these situations. Last couple weeks, um, there was a couple deaths that happened that were really difficult. There's family here um, of Lisa Wesley. Some of you were at the service that we did a week and a half ago at Sergeant and Sons, um, and it was a really sad um, death to deal with. There was lots of family, and some of the family are, are here this morning. It was, it was just difficult to, to face that, to see people that lost a loved one. Last week, a good friend of mine um, died of an overdose, somebody that I like, spent a lot of time with. Um, we used to travel together when we, uh, back when I used to travel around the Maritimes doing a lot of evangelism and outreach. He was a huge part of that team. He was a, he was a mus- musician, did music, like just incredibly gifted. Um, he died last week of, of an overdose. Uh, it was like hard to take. Um, I'm in Thunder Bay. It's a 26-hour drive to go to the East Coast. And uh, it's not something that I can go and, and be there and be a part of. And it's, it's just sad. Sometimes it's, it's overwhelming. And when I think of hope, like the reason that the scriptures mean something for me today is because if I didn't have Jesus' words to lean on, Honestly, I don't know how I'd face some of the situations that we have to face on a regular basis. How, how do you face it? What, what, is, what is the source of your hope? Is it rooted in wishful thinking? I hope things are going to get better. Is it pie-in-the-sky thinking? Or is it rooted in the, the Word of God? Honestly, like if our hope is not rooted in the eternal Word of God, it is just a wishful thinking. A couple weeks ago, Maybe the Lord knew I need to see it. Uh, but in Psalm 37, I was doing my daily devotional reading, and this isn't up on the screen. But it's Psalm 37, verse 37. It says, A wonderful future awaits those who love peace. A wonderful future awaits those who love peace. I find that something I can rest my hope in because, I, because it comes from God's word. But the, the temptation that I have sometimes to just lean into wishful thinking and try to forget the bad things and just pretend it's not there and like, oh, it's going to get better. Like, that does not last. Like, wishful thinking does not last at night when you can't get to sleep and you're plagued. Your mind is plagued with darkness. Your mind is plagued with just overwhelming thoughts. Like, the wishful thinking kind of hope does not last in those dark times when you're all alone and you need the reminder. You know what does last? God's eternal word. Like, when you base your life in the word of God, when you remember, like, no, I, the reason I can believe what Jesus said is because he actually rose again from the death, from dead. He conquered death. I can base my life on that. I can face whatever challenges come my way and I can trust him. And sometimes, you know, as a pastor, I get asked tough questions about people that have, have died and, and, and what that means for where they are. You know, I always, I just rely on the goodness of God. Like there's some questions this side of eternity that 
we don't have the ability or resources to answer fully. We can't a- answer eternal questions. But one of the, the things that gives me hope is I'm like, but I know God is good. I know he's loving. I know he's fair. I know he's kind. And I know that when we stand before him on judgment day, there is nobody that will be able to, to argue or disagree with what he says because he is the final word. And thank God that he is loving and he is kind and he is merciful. And you know what he's given us? Like the gift that God has given us is Jesus. And I just want to end today. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you're here and your heart is encouraged and you're reminded, yes, I need to just put my hope in him. I need to read scriptures. I need to pray. I need to gather with other believers. Praise God. But maybe you're here today and you're realizing your hope is not based in Jesus. And if that's, if that's the case, I would encourage you t- today, ex- come and express your hope to him. Invite Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Like, don't leave today without making Jesus your hope. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we do Advent, right? Is, is this reminder on a regular basis, Jesus is the source of our hope. And if you haven't given your life to him, if you haven't surrendered to him, I encourage you even today to do that. I'm going to invite the team to come up. We're going to close with a couple songs. Um, and, and the altar's always open for prayer. Um, but even just today with that, if the Lord has spoken to you and you just want to uh, come and pray while these songs are being sung, I want to invite you. You can come and do that. Um, there's nothing necessarily magical about coming in the front. If you want to worship from your seat and make things right with God, you can. Um, but if you just want to come and spend some time and just re- even renewing your hope, you can do that. Um, if you're here today and you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, um, I would encourage you, if you want to come talk to, to one of us that, you know, our leaders here, Randy or, or Jean or uh, Mary, uh, Melody and Gary, like want prayer at the front, come talk to one of us. We'd love to pray with you. Uh, but let me just pray as we, we close and we'll sing these last couple songs.